Well, good morning. Um, I hope that you all had a wonderful Christmas, that you had time to relax and spend some time with your family and eat some really good food, but really reflect on the indescribable gift that Jesus is to us. Um, I just want to thank Pastor Jerry for giving me this opportunity today. We've been here at Daystar for about 15 years, and I can honestly say that I truly see a shepherd's heart in Pastor and Leslie, and I appreciate all that they are to us um, as a body, but us to individuals, and so I just want to thank them and uh, let them know that I'm more thankful than they can ever know. Um, So like he said, I'm a librarian at West Elementary, and I go into the classrooms and teach every week, and I have three rules in my classroom, okay? And so y'all have to repeat those rules. The first one is respect. You say respect. Attention. And participation. Well, I was thinking that there couldn't be three better rules for church, right? Okay, so this is what I've decided. The ushers are back there, and they're going to see if you're following the rules, and if you're not, you're going to get a ticket, And if you fall asleep, you get two tickets. We'll just have to take care of that on the way out today. Okay, so not really, but I'm really excited. You know, 2020, I know we keep saying over and over, has been a really crazy year. Um, I think that we're so excited for 2021, even though we don't know what's coming. We think it's got to be better. And we know that this will go down in history books for sure. But I think some of us... um, Just the chaos of 2020 was mild compared to some loss or devastation or disappointment that we might have faced. And some of you are carrying more than what you can convey in a Facebook post or more than you can convey to a caring friend over dinner, and it's just been hard to carry. Um, And so I heard someone say that it's like a bomb went off in your life And you just get up and make sure that all your pieces are still there. And you got to figure out where to go next. And so for those of you that are there, and for those of you who may get there one day, I think that probably covers all of us. I have a word of hope that I feel like God has dropped into my heart. And um, our small group, well, we have this discussion of whether our Andrew says it's called our Sunday school class, (laughs) and I say it's a small group, but whatever. Our small group slash Sunday school class just finished studying the book of Ruth, and we learned so much going through Ruth, but while we were studying, I really feel like God dropped this hope into my heart that I would need to sustain me in a season I didn't know was coming, and I'm so thankful for that, and I want to share to you what I've learned um, in what I call the desolate of the journey from desolation to hope, okay? So I'm here to offer hope today. Um, We begin our journey in Ruth chapter one, and if you have your Bible, you can open up to Ruth chapter one. I'm not going to read the whole book of Ruth, although I would like to. We just don't have time for that today. So I encourage you this week to go back and um, dig into the book of Ruth and study because there's so much treasure. I've read it several times over the years, but as we dug into it, I really saw some treasures that I'd never seen before. So I hope you're inspired to do that after today's message. But in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, it starts out, in the days when the judges ruled. Okay, we didn't get very far, but we have to stop 
right there because this is more than just an introduction for the writer. The author of Ruth here knows that when the children of Israel heard in the days when the judges ruled, they would understand what was going on. See, in the day of Judges, Israel had gone through one of their darkest times in history. They had this cycle of deep sin, disobedience, oppression from the enemy, crying out to God, and then God delivering them with his unending mercy. And then they would fall right back into sin and disobedience. And they repeated this cycle for 325 years. In fact, if you look at the last verse um, in the book of Judges, it says, in those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as he saw fit. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Also in the middle of Judges, it says the same thing. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as he saw fit. So um, when the people of God heard in the days when the judges ruled, they would go, oh, We know about those days. Surely nothing good happened during those days. It's kind of like us in the future when we all hear in the year 2020, we'll go, surely nothing good came out of that. But that's exactly where this story is, right in the middle of Israel's darkest time. But right there, God finds two women who are willing to walk the journey with him and a man who is willing to stand in obedience when others aren't. And that's where this journey starts. And that brings me, I said we're going to visit a few lessons today. It brings me to my first lesson from, uh, from Ruth. Seeking God when no one else is will bring you peace that no one else has. Did y'all hear that? It doesn't matter what's going on around you. Seeking God when no one else is will bring you peace that no one else has. There may be chaos all around Our world as a whole and your life personally may look hopeless. But when we surrender our journey and when we seek God, we will find a peace in the middle of the storm. And that's where Ruth and Naomi find themselves turning to God in a culture that had turned away from God. Okay, so we're going to go back to Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So you have Naomi who has lost her husband. Uh, She's lost her two sons, and she has two daughters-in-law with nothing to offer them. They were now widows, so their situation, I mean, we read this as a story, but they lived it, right? She buried her husband, She buried her two sons. And so there she is in what seems like a desolate and devastating situation. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. 
with her two daughters-in-law. She left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Did you hear that last part? It says that she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. That brings me to lesson number two. If you find yourself in the middle of famine and desolation, away from the presence and the provision of God, then go back home. See, they left and went to Moab seeking provision and help, but she saw God's provision is home in the land of Judah. So she made that decision to go home. Maybe you've made decisions that have led you far away from your relationship with God and away from his presence. Don't stay there in your efforts to make things right and your pride and your ability or even what the world has to offer to fix your situation. Set out on the road. I like those words. She set out. Set out on the road that brings you home. What is home? Well, it's home to his presence and to his word. Home to a relationship with him. Home to a community of people. Home to his peace. Home to worship. I'm sure that it wasn't an easy journey for these women to make. Uh, They were widows, and widows were not treated well in those days. So I, I know that it took a step of faith for them to walk out and step out on this journey, but that's what they did. Uh, They had no idea how their story would turn out. Naomi just knew that God was providing, and she was going home. So as the story goes on, we see this interchange. Uh, Naomi and Ruth and Orpah set out on the road, and uh, the girls say they're going with them. But Naomi stops them and says, please just stay here in Moab. She says, I don't have anything to offer you. I don't have any more sons that can marry you. She knew that life probably wouldn't be good for them because Moab and Israel were, uh, they were not friends And so there would be a lot of tension for them to be Moabites living in the land of Israel. And so she, she's like, just go home. And so uh, they're crying. It's a pretty sad situation. Well, Orpah is like, okay, I'm going home. And she heads back home. But Ruth makes the choice of a lifetime and a decision that shapes the future. You don't know this, maybe, but for all of us. Okay, so in verse 16... Ruth says to Naomi, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And I see two major decisions in this statement that she made. First of all, Ruth promises to take care of Naomi and serve her no matter what happens. She's determined to be with her. But the second decision I see is that Ruth commits to serve the one true God. She's turning away from the Moabite God and turning to the one true God, Yahweh, and chooses to serve him in this statement. And I believe she's showing us another important lesson here. Lesson number three on your journey. 
make a determined choice to follow after and serve God and don't waver no matter what comes. And a side note here, I believe that Ruth saw God in Naomi. I believe she loved her uh, and had a commitment towards her um, and wanted to serve her. But I believe because she made the choice to go and serve her God, that she saw God in Naomi and said, I want to serve your God. That's who I want to serve. And um, it makes me, just as a little side note here, ask the question, am I living my life in a way that someone sees God in me and says, I want to serve your God? Because that's what Ruth said to Naomi. So that was just an important consideration I want us to think about before we move on with the story. But back to Ruth's decision. Ruth's determ- er, her determination is evident in her promise, and you will see it lived out in her actions in her life. So I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what loss or disappointment has come your way, but I do know this. I know the peace and the provision and the promise that comes when I put my stake in the ground and say, God, I'm here to serve you. I don't matter what, I don't care what it looks like. It doesn't matter to me what comes my way. It doesn't matter what disappointments I faced. It doesn't matter what loss comes into my life. I will serve you no matter what. I'm not sitting down. I'm not quitting. I'm not turning around. I'm here. And that's how we see um, Ruth. See, here's, here's the deal. We either believe this is God's word or we don't. We either believe that his promises and his way of life in this word is true or we don't. There's no in between. I think sometimes we want God's provision and God's blessing with half of our commitment. But it doesn't work that way. This is a gospel of all or nothing. And so when we look at this word and we say, God, this is, this is all I have. I know that God meets us right there. And I believe that a lot of you, Satan has tried to and is still trying to derail. And he wants you to look around and say, I quit. I'm sitting down. And when you look around, that might be what you feel like doing. But I want you to choose. There's a song that says, I'm going to lock eyes with my father. I want you to choose to lock eyes with your father and say, I'm here for the journey, and I will serve you to the day I die. See, you may feel like hopelessness, like Ruth had the opportunity to feel, but hold on, we aren't to the end of the story yet. Redemption is coming. So Ruth and uh, Naomi, they finish their journey to Bethlehem, and they arrive just as the barley harvest was beginning. And the people recognize Naomi coming into town. And Naomi arrives empty. She even says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara because I'm bitter. My life has been bitter. And um, she didn't know that her decision to come home put her right in the middle of God's divine plan. Let's keep reading in chapter 2. So I'm starting in 2 verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative On her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, 
Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, or another translation says, it just so happened that she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. I want to talk about two laws that we see here real quick before we move on. Uh, We see here the law of gleaning. So the law of gleaning uh, was put into place because um, widows and orphans were not well taken care of. So God said, okay, I'm going to set up a way to take care of these people. So I want you to leave the corners of the field so that the poor can come and harvest or glean there. Also, if you drop any while you're harvesting, you need to leave that there, leave that grain um, for the poor to come harvest. So God set this up in Deuteronomy so that the poor people would be taken care of. Another law that we see here um, is the law of kinsman redeemer. Um, It says that the field belonged to Boaz. Well, there's something to that. The law of the kinsman redeemer is that a kinsman redeemer was a relative of the husband's family who volunteered to take care of the extended family. So the Redeemer would ensure that any land that could otherwise be lost would be kept within the family. So by law, Ruth could have married her deceased husband's brother, but there were no more brothers. Okay, so then the next nearest relative could come in and redeem the land, the property, and the family. And if they didn't want to do it, then the next relative. So that's the kinsman redeemer. I just think it's awesome that God set up these systems to come in and take care of these women who were vulnerable and needed help at, you know, at their most vulnerable time. So we see those two laws there. And we see a man who in the days when the judges ruled, he, when everyone else is being disobedient, he's being obedient. We know that because he lets Ruth glean. We'll see that in a minute. And it just so happens that Ruth shows up in his field. Just so happens. Which brings me to my next lesson. When you surrender your journey to the hands of the Father, he is working to set up divine appointments. There are no it just so happened moments when your life is surrendered into the hands of a loving Father. So when you get up every day and you surrender your life and you say, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you today, God, and you walk that out and you make that surrender, you can trust and know that God is going before you and he is setting the path ahead of you and he is already there. Um, So there's a lesson though that we need to learn about our divine appointments. We love those divine appointments. But sometimes, and this is my next lesson, sometimes our divine appointments look like service and work. See, Ruth had a servant's heart of humility, and she went into the fields. And while she was gleaning, Boaz comes home and he says, hey, who's that girl out in the field? And his foreman says in verse 6, She is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. 
She said to me, please let me glean and gather the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Well, Boaz pulls her aside and he says, hey, you keep coming to my field. Don't go off and try to find other fields to glean in. We'll take care of you. In fact, you can glean with my servants. And he made sure that she was taken care of. And Ruth responds in verse 11, or actually Boaz says to her, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. What do you think Boaz saw in her that prompted him to speak that blessing over her? I believe when he saw Ruth, he saw a servant's heart and humility and hard work and thankfulness. What he didn't see was complaining and a victim mentality and blaming the people around her or the if only. If only my husband hadn't died. If only Naomi had another son. If only I wasn't poor. See, Ruth might have felt like that, but she came out of it really fast because we never see that in this story. So many times when we find ourselves in devastation, I really feel like we turn inward. I believe there is a time for that. I believe there's a time for grief. And I believe there's a time to God to come in and heal that. And I'm sure Ruth went through grieving days where she felt like giving up, but she obviously didn't stay there. She rolled up her sleeves and she got to work. And so I want to ask you, who is God calling you to serve? In your hard seasons, look around and serve. There may be a young mother that had the baby and you need to take dinner to her. There may be a widow whose yard needs mowing. There may be a small group you're supposed to lead. There may be a young child that you're supposed to take under your wing and spend time and mentor them. I promise you, when you spend your heart serving God, he's going to give you those opportunities and God comes right there and meets you there. You see, Ruth's decision, her servant's heart, and her humility put her under the same covenant and protection as Israel, under his wings. Did you see that? He saw a servant's heart, and he spoke the blessing. You're under his wings. That's one of my favorite promises in the Bible. I've held on to it like since I was a kid. I memorized Psalms 91 in youth group. We had this challenge, but... It's been a part of my heart, and um, I want you to hear these promises in the Bible about being under his wings. And you might want to write these down with your notes because you could go back later and look them up. But Psalms 17.8 says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. This is, I'm sorry, this is Psalms 36.5. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve both man and beast. How priceless is your unfailing love. 
both high and low among men, find refuge in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 57, one says, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until disaster has passed. And this is my favorite. Psalms 91, verses one through four, says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will deliver me from the, from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover me with his feathers and under his wings shall I trust. There's, there's no better place to be than under his wings when you're in the hardest season of your life. No matter what comes your way, you're surrounded by him, the creator, the protector, the sustainer, the prince of peace, the everlasting father, the great I am has his wings around you. We're under his wings and when we're there, he's working redemption in our lives and in the generations to come. Remember the decision to serve Naomi and work faithfully is what made Boaz speak this blessing over Ruth. And while Ruth was under his wings, she just continued to serve. And in this action, I see our next lesson. Lesson number six, don't despise the season you're in. Ruth 2.23 reveals the mundane season of just doing the right thing every day. In verse 23, it says, So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. We don't know how long that took, but until that harvest was finished, she was going to the field, gleaning, and taking care of Naomi. And so don't get discouraged when your journey doesn't seem exciting and different for a while, because sometimes you just get up, you seek God, you serve those around you, and you put the work in, and you do that over and over and over for a season. God is moving in that season. You may not see it, you may not feel it, but hold on to the commitment that you made and stay on the journey because he is moving and working redemption. Um, I want to just kind of tell you what happens next. You'll have to go back and read this because there's a lot of details in this story that I'll have to skip over. But um, through a series of events and planning, Ruth and Naomi make this plan to let Boaz know, hey, you're our kinsman redeemer. So um, they go through with that plan. Ruth lets Boaz know, you're my kinsman redeemer. And Boaz says, I'll redeem you. He's willing to be her kinsman redeemer. But he finds out that there is a closer relative that really by law could be the redeemer. So he has to go to that relative and say, um, th this is the situation. And the guy says, okay, I'll redeem. I'll be the kinsman redeemer. But he finds out that with the land that he would acquire, he would also require Ruth, the Moabitess. And he says, I can't endanger my estate 
So I'm not willing to do that. Boaz, you be the kinsman redeemer. And so Boaz agrees. And I want to read the conclusion of the story. Ruth 4.9 says, Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are my witnesses that I have bought Naomi, all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabitess, Malon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today you are my witnesses. So then the leaders of the town declare a blessing over them, and we read this. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse the father of David. So you may not know this, but King David was in the the lineage of Jesus. So from Ruth comes the grandfather of King David, and through this line, Jesus is brought into our world. I think it's awesome that Ruth went from desolate, barren, widowed, and poor to married, redeemed, and blessed with a child that is a part of the greatest salvation story. See, Ruth didn't know that the journey she was on was in preparation for the coming Messiah. Do you understand that? Like from the day that God found Ruth right there in the middle of Moab, from that day, that journey that she set out on was in preparation for Jesus to come into our world. She didn't know that. And she probably didn't know that until she stepped into the presence of God when she died. And she looked back and was like, wow, I didn't see that coming. I just think that's awesome. And so sometimes we don't know what our daily decisions committed to God when we surrender. We have no idea what is out in front and what we're bringing to our world. And we may never know. You may not know until you enter the presence of God. I just think it's incredible that her surrender helped bring salvation to this world. So I also want you to see it's something that we kind of skipped over. Naomi is not bitter anymore. Did y'all see that? Her lap is full of life and new birth and a new future. And I just want you to know that God can bring redemption to your story if you let him. Total surrender to him will always bring redemption. See, just like Ruth, we have a redeemer. Jesus is willing to step into our mess, no matter what it looks like. And he offers us his redemption See, he paid a price that we couldn't pay. We can't be good enough. We can't serve him enough. And we can't earn it. We just have to make the decision to surrender and follow after him. Surrender every day, every word, 
every moment, every thought, and every decision. Don't just surrender the words you say, but surrender the actions that you live out. In that surrender, God meets us. God, he's not going to wave a magic wand and make everything just suddenly fix because you surrender your life to him. But what he will do is he will show up. He's not going to take the people around you, you know, the whole world. He's not going to make them do what you think they need to do. He's not going to make people act like you think they need to act. But he will be your everlasting peace. He will be your sustainer. He will be the anchor in the middle of your greatest storm. He will give you guidance that a friend or social media can't offer to you. He will show you the next steps to take. He will light your path in the middle of the darkest night when you think, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to step. I don't know what my next move is. He will light your path, just the next move. And he will protect you under his almighty wings. And you know what? There's just no other place I want to be. There's nothing else. Ruth faced desolation in the unknown, but she made a decision, rolled up her sleeves, and worked and served. And God worked redemption in her life and in the generations to come. She looked beyond herself to those around her, and God met her there. Choose who you will follow. Choose who you will serve. And watch God work. Stop looking at the devastation and the chaos around you. And look up. I love this verse. I've been clinging to it. This says, I will lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Do you understand that? Really, the God who made everything you see, the maker of heaven and earth, he is your help. There's nobody else that can help me like that. So when you feel defeated and when you feel like there's no hope, look up. Look up to your help.